Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Well, 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 look who it is. It's me. I'm doing my first solo episode and yeah, it's kind of, I feel weird because usually I'm always interviewing someone else and I have a thing where I don't want to sound too narcissistic. Maybe that's because I am a narcissist, so I want to like tone it down. I don't know what it is, but this is very weird and I'm probably going to be super awkward throughout this whole (laughs) thing. But yeah, this is my first solo episode and it was supposed to come out on Saturday and I didn't make it on Saturday. I was exhausted. I have done 11, 12 interviews and basically what I have resorted to is Monday through Friday, I work my normal working hours for my business. And then on the weekends, I was editing the podcast. So for 12 weeks, I haven't had a true weekend. And so I just really needed it this weekend. And I basically took some time to catch up on laundry, do some grocery shopping, cook, clean, just get my stuff together because it was a little bit touch and go there. So I just really needed a break. But I did want to do a solo episode because I was so inspired. So I got a whole new podcast set up. Like I got all new podcasting equipment, which I'm absolutely obsessed with. I feel like this mic actually captures what my voice really sounds like, if that's even a thing, because the way that I sound in my head isn't the way that I hear it when I listen to my own voice, if that makes sense. But the thing is, people don't understand When you edit your own podcast, okay, first of all, I record the podcast, right? Then I listen to it back like that day, and then I probably don't touch the file until it comes time to edit, and then I spend probably four hours on Saturday and four hours on Sunday editing, so I hear a lot of my own voice, and it's just, I cringe. I cringe every time I hear my own voice. But, you know, it is what it is. This is what God gave me to work with, so I'm just working with it. I can't change it. (laughs) But anyway, back to my podcasting equipment. I got all new podcasting equipment, and I'm kind of obsessed, but I want to give you a brief backstory to 
the whole podcasting situation. So my goal this year was to be on a podcast. Like I just, I really love listening to podcasts and my, both of my parents listened to talk radio growing up. So I was kind of used to already like the idea of like long conversation style radio shows. I don't know what I'm talking about, but like my dream day is getting an In-N-Out burger protein style, no cheese. I'm lactose intolerant and driving to the beach and listening to an episode of Dr. Laura Schlesinger. If you don't know who Dr. Laura is, I'm so sorry, but I grew up listening to this woman almost every single day when I was in the car with my mom. So that's kind of been the backstory of why I love podcasts. And so I wrote down in the beginning of this year that I wanted to be on a podcast. And within a couple of months, it happened. I was just met this lady on a, in a Facebook group. Her name is, well, she's not a lady. She is like a really good friend of mine now. Her name's Maria C. Krause. I was actually just featured in her magazine, which was really fun. Um, and yeah, we connected and she invited me on her podcast and I absolutely loved it. I was such a nervous wreck, but I loved doing it and I wanted to do more. And so I kind of got a couple of other opportunities to be on other podcasts throughout this year. And finally, I was on my friend Rebecca Cross, her podcast, and afterwards we were chatting and she was like, I absolutely love it. Like, you should definitely do it. So I did. (laughs) So I think I got interviewed on a Thursday for her podcast. And by Friday night, like 930 at night, I had a true L Woods moment, minus the budding costume. But I went down to Best Buy at 9.30 on a Friday night and was like standing there with an armful of mics and uh, like headphones and like podcast stuff that I thought I needed. Well, long story short, none of that ended up working out because it was one. So I bought like this thing. It was way too complicated. I was like, I just want to plug and play. Like, I don't need to do all of this crazy fancy stuff at the moment. But none of the mics worked. None of the headphones worked. And so I ended up returning all of it. But I had already spent that weekend kind of coming up with a format, coming up with a name. I made a media kit. I made an application. I started reaching out to people. And honestly, I was surprised how willing people were to be on my podcast that didn't even exist yet. I reached out to a couple of people and I was like, hey, I'm starting this podcast. Would you be interested? Just kind of putting out some feelers because I didn't really know what I was doing or what I was walking into. And I realized it was a ton more work than I had anticipated. But I absolutely love it. I love the process. I love just everything about podcasting. I just... I absolutely love it and I wouldn't trade anything for the world. But sorry if I'm sounding nasally. We're having a Santa Ana here. And so my nose is running. It's a situation. But I spent some time. So I returned everything that I bought at Best Buy because it was just too much too soon. And I was like, you know what? I just have to do use what I'm what I've got. Like I'll use what I'll work with what I've got kind of situation. Kind of like my voice. And I finally spent some time like two weekends ago now um, looking up good mics, good headphones, the whole situation. 
So I ordered everything off of Amazon. It came this last week. So not this week, the week before that. And I basically have turned my dining room into a little podcasting studio. So I have this mic that has a pop filter over it and like an adjustable, it's a contraption. It actually like hooks onto the desk and then you screw it so it tightens it. I don't know how to explain these things. Personally, I don't even know how I figured out how to set it all up. It is by a miracle that I even figured out where to plug things into and how to set the whole thing up because it just like came in parts and I had to like, I don't know. I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And now my dining room looks like a podcasting studio. So you're welcome. I now don't have a place to eat. I'm just kidding. I put it all, I like have to unscrew the thing because I don't really do podcasting every single week. Side note, you guys don't know, I try to record all of the month's podcasts like within one week. So I record, I reach out to like four people, schedule all of the interviews within one week so that way I don't have to like every week kind of put it together. But that might be changing now that I have this podcasting equipment because now I can kind of do solo episodes and not have to worry about using my gross my I was literally using my gym headphones like the ones that I work out with the ones that like Apple gives you when you get the phone so it was like they were like covered wow my headphones were covered in boob sweat is basically what I was trying to say so I just really feel like you guys deserve better than my boob sweat headphones that's all I can say but yeah I wanted to jump in because I really wanted to talk about anxiety for a second. And I, how do I explain this? Talking about my anxiety sometimes give me, gives me anxiety, but not today. I want to talk about three mindset shifts or tips and tricks. I'm not sure how I want to phrase it yet, but they're basically three things that I do. And there's several things. These are just the three that I wrote one night at 1245 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. And they were the first things that kind of came to me when I was not sleeping. (laughs) And I came up with this idea when I was in therapy about your mindset around your mental health, and then your actual mental health, as if they're two separate entities. So your mindset or my mindset, I'll talk from my perspective so I don't piss people off. But so the way that I view it is that you have your, your mental health, right? Like my anxiety. And then I have my mindset around my anxiety. And so sometimes with when you do have a mental health issue, Uh, you tend to feel like you can't do a lot of the things that are, quote, normal. So, for example, I used to feel like, oh, well, I can't do this because I have anxiety and I can't do that because I have anxiety. I can't have a normal relationship or a normal job or a normal blah, blah, blah. Like, I can't do the thing. Like, I literally would, if you would have told me a year ago, like, oh, you're going to be doing all of these things. You're going to have a business. You're going to have a podcast. I would be like, you're joking. Like, there's no way I have anxiety. I can't do that. Uh, But as soon as my mindset began to shift around my anxiety to like, well, maybe it doesn't have to be as intrusive or limiting or prohibiting, whatever adjective you want to use, to my life. 
And as soon as my mindset around that began to shift from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset, actually my mental health improved a lot. It didn't, my anxiety symptoms did begin to dissipate. And there's a lot of reasons that go into why they began to dissipate. But I think from my own perspective, I think a large part of that was because my mindset wasn't as like, oh, I can't do this because I was ha- I have anxiety. It was, oh, I might be having anxiety, but I can still do this. I can still push through. I can, I'm still working on it, you know, and it just really shifted things for me a lot um, when I began to view my mindset around my mental health as, as its own facet instead of just, I have anxiety and it's super limiting and I can't do this. And I think that could apply to a lot of different things. But let's start with a disclaimer. Maybe I should edit this and put this in the front. I don't know yet. But I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I'm not a mental health professional by any means, if you couldn't already tell. And none of the things that I say should be misconstrued for medical advice. You should always talk to your mental health professional or your doctor about any of the things that you're experiencing. This is all just my own opinion and what I have learned has worked for me and it's worked. So, um, so yeah, do everything at your own discretion. Talk to your doctor. I think that they, as much as I have my issues with Western medicine, I do think that, that they, that doctors do try their best to help you, especially with mental health. And if you're totally confused about the difference between a fixed and a growth mindset and mindset in general, you can check. I've written a couple of blog posts about mindset, about grit, about fixed and growth mindset. I even have an entire free course called the five mindset mistakes you make that are keeping you stressed out. And you can find all of that at my blog. Just type in living Breely. Okay, I just got lipstick on my mic. This is a problem. I literally, I can't have nice things. I just got lipstick all over this. Oh my gosh, what a mess. This is why I don't wear lipstick because it usually ends up in like everywhere except my lips, on cups, on my teeth, like on now on a mic. Now I have to like get a Lysol wipe or something. Uh, what was I even saying? Oh, mindset stuff. So just type in Living Breely Mindset on Google and probably the first three hits you'll get will be my blog post or um, it might be through Coursecraft, which is a platform that I use for my courses. So yeah, definitely check those out if you're totally new to mindset work. So the first mindset tip, trick, shift, whatever you want to call it, that I thought of was talking about self-love. And before you think that I'm going to just tell you right now to take a bubble bath and put on a face mask, that's not what I'm talking about here. I love a face mask. I love a lush bath bomb. And like, I just love doing those things. Like I love the mani-pedi. Who doesn't, right? Like we all love those things. But I do think that that's more of like an aesthetic. Am I saying that word right? Word right? Aesthetic, aesthetic. I'm really bad with pronouncing words sometimes. Um, 
But there is a difference. Like, I think that there is an external self-love, which is like taking care of yourself so you don't look like Chewbacca. Unless that's the look you're going for, you do you, girl. We love a Frida Kahlo. But I also believe in more of an internal self-love. So for me, that means something like setting boundaries and taking care of emotional needs. So basically, am I dealing with the shit that's coming up? So am I still, you know, traumatized over Veronica from eighth grade who, I don't know, I can't even think of an eighth grade situation, but there was a lot of drama in middle school and high school, right? And it's like your really formative years that can be pretty traumatizing, but I feel like I had a really good middle school and high school, but I know for some people it can be traumatizing. So I think dealing with the shit that comes up is so important. And yes, it's hard and it's scary and it's fucking uncomfortable, but you know what's worse is continuing to deal with it for years and years and years in unhealthy ways like self-sabotaging behavior or sabotaging your partner or your kids or your family. I feel like that is more of a problem than actually sitting down with a therapist or sitting down with anyone, a doctor, someone to really work through some of the issues. And I said this a lot, but after a certain age, like we've all like our parents, at least I can speak for my parents. I know that they did the best that they could in raising me. Right. And that's all that I could have ever asked for. Do your best. And I think I really think that they did their best. But of course, there's some things from my childhood that like now as an adult, I'm really realizing I'm like, wow, that was fucked up. And you know what I do? I don't blame my parents. I went to a therapist and I dealt with it. I think after a certain age, you have to stop blaming your parents for your behavior. Like if you're if you are like, oh, I'm a shitty person because my parents fucked me up. And you're like 25. Uh, No, bro, you're just a shitty person. Get your ass to a therapist office. That's just my two cents personally. Sorry, I went on a little bit of a tangent there. So I think also what's important and that I've really learned about self-love is it's sometimes about setting boundaries. It's about saying no to things that you don't want to do or you don't want to participate in. So stop saying yes to shit you hate. For example, my friend Rebecca, this is not her real name, by the way. None of the names that I ever use are real. I just make them up. Uh, had She has a kid. And I don't know, it was like second birthday or something. And she wanted me to come to the birthday. But it was like at a fucking, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or something. I'm sorry. I am a grown woman. I have no business going to a Chuck E. Cheese (laughs) when I don't have children. Like, do you know how creepy, (laughs) do you know how creepy that is? That looks like I walk in, I'm by myself with no kids and I'm like, hi, I'm here for a kid's birthday. Like I was so, I felt, I would feel so uncomfortable because one, I don't have kids. Two, it's a Chuck E. Cheese. It wasn't a Chuck E. Cheese. It was like a Boomers or something like arcade. I don't even know. But (laughs) and I don't have kids. Right. So when I'm there, who am I going to talk to? 
like Chuck E. Cheese himself? No, I don't think so. And I don't I don't want to talk to these kids parents. So I said no. And I know I could tell my friend was like a little bit upset. And I was like, but I'd love to hang out. Maybe, you know, I can take you guys out to lunch or dinner sometime because and I and it was honestly and I know that probably seems selfish, but to me it wasn't like I knew that I was going to be uncomfortable. I knew that I was going to be anxious because it's like, are people just going to think I'm the weird girl who just showed up to a kid's birthday party? Like I can't. What am I supposed to do? So I just I said no. And I don't feel like there's anything wrong with saying no and setting boundaries with not only myself, but also with people. And it's drastically improved my anxiety. And when I'm saying that you say no, you say no and you don't feel guilty about it. Because, for example, I have a friend who loves to make plans last minute, like literally last minute, texts me three hours before, hey, do you want to do this? And my answer is always going to be no, especially if it's on a weekday. Like if it's on a weekday when I'm working, it's going to be a hard no for me because I plan my schedule. I plan my day. When I'm on vacation, it's a little bit different, right? Because you have time to kill. I'm way more adventurous. I'm way more like, yeah, let's do that. Let's try it. But work, work days, it's like I've got stuff I have to do. I plan my days. It's really difficult for me to break away from doing the things that I'm doing, especially because I have clients and people who are relying on me. So I kept saying no to my friend. And she like I think the third or fourth time I was like, listen, I'm not saying no because I don't want to hang out with you. I'm saying no because you keep texting me a couple of hours in advance and I just I I I don't operate that way so if you want to hang out like I'd love to but let's do something where it's a little bit more planned and or I don't want to say organized because it makes me sound uptight but that's kind of the text message that I that I sent back to her and she was like oh no I totally get it like thanks for clearing that up and that was a boundary that I set it wasn't rude it wasn't mean it wasn't nasty or anything like that it was just I was setting the boundary like hey I do want to hang out with you but I can't rearrange my schedule with a couple of hours of notice like I need to know when I'm doing things and plan it a little bit better And she totally, she totally understands. And I think that that's just one example of setting boundaries. And I think sometimes when we hear the word like, oh, setting boundaries, we think that it needs to be this like hard line that we draw on the sand and has to get mean and it has to get nasty. And it really doesn't. But I will say this. People get pissed when you say no to them. Like no one likes to be like no one likes to be told no. Right. And especially guys, they get their ego gets all whacked up. And they're like, no, she said no. She denied me. It's like, no, bro. Chill out. (laughs) But anyway, that's a whole nother tangent. But this is the thing. You cannot live a life. And I heard Brene Brown say this. So this is I'm taking this from her. But you cannot live a life where you are pursuing your dreams or your vision with a great sense of tenacity and not piss people off. That's not verbatim of what Brene Brown said, but it's pretty close. So I'll say it again. You cannot live a life where you are pursuing your dreams with tenacity, 
without disappointing people. Or did I say pissing off? I don't even remember what I said. But you just, you really can't. And you have to get comfortable with not pleasing every single person in your life. And that was a huge shift for me as a people pleaser is I would always look for the how can I rearrange my schedule to fit this person in, to do what this person wants, blah, 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 blah. When instead it would have been simpler and way less stressful for me to just say, no, sorry, I can't make it. Or to be like, hey, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. Can't make it. Can we, you know, catch up later? Let's plan something in a couple of weeks or something like that. So that was way more important for me. I think really important for me to love to learn on a self-love level of it's like I'm making these decisions because I love myself and because I value and respect my well-being, both mental and physical. So those to just wrap this up with the first one, because I know I'm kind of rambling here, is set boundaries because you love yourself. Say no to things because you love yourself. Don't do face masks and lush bath bombs all the time, but really take into consideration what it is that you need to do to take care of yourself on an emotional level. So moving into the second thing, my favorite, make sleep and rest a priority. So here's the thing. I love to work hard. I don't know how to not work hard at all. Uh, I don't know if it's actually like a psychological problem or maybe it's just how I was raised. Um, I might have mentioned this in an interview once where I talked about my family. My dad's family are immigrants and my dad's a nationalized citizen. So it's kind of that whole American dream story, right? They come to America, not that much money. And they've made, they've lived a very happy and successful life, my my dad's family. So it was kind of ingrained for me in a young age that there was no substitute for hard work, that if you wanted something, you had to work for it. And so I started working like when I was 13. And I've just always had that... I guess, developing a work ethic type of thing. But I also realized when I was working in corporate um, that there has to be a, it's like a delicate dance. Like you have to work hard, but you also have to rest hard. And so for me, I know that getting seven and a half to eight hours of sleep every night is mandatory. If I don't get seven to eight hours of sleep, I am a wreck and I'm nasty. Like I'm not nice when I don't sleep. Like I am, I want to cut your kidneys out and make them earrings type of nasty. It's not a good situation for anyone around me. I try my best to be nice, but sometimes it, you know, it just doesn't happen. But if I sleep more than eight hours, I kind of get really lethargic and it just, you know, I know where my, my quote sweet spot is with sleep. And I also take, I love a good nap. I love a good 10 to 15 nap, 10 to 15 minute nap, (laughs) Um, where I put on some Jack Johnson. I set a timer and I just shut my eyes because sometimes that's the best way to reset. If you're super stressed out, overwhelmed, just shut your eyes and just take a minute 
to kind of recalibrate. And I know I'm reading um, Ariana Huffington's book, um, Thrive, where she talks about like the third metric of success, which I'm not going to get too much into it. But usually in American culture, we value power and money as success. But there's also she argues that there's a third metric for success, which is you know, emotional and physical well-being. And she talks a lot about sleep and how it's so important. And she lists a ton and ton of studies on sleep. And this is not new information. Like people know that they need sleep, but they somehow skip out on it. They think that they're above it or they don't really need it or they're just being lazy. And I think especially in American culture, we view sleep and rest as laziness. And that's, you know, your own prerogative. If you think that's lazy, that's on you. But for me, I know that when I don't sleep, my anxiety will skyrocket. It will skyrocket. I'm, I'm sure there's like actual scientific studies, which I should probably do some research on, about why that is. And I think it has something to do with hormones. Your hormones and leptin levels and cortisol levels get all out of whack. But I know for me, I know that I need rest. I know that I need sleep. And when I start to push that back where I'm like, I don't really need this. I can sleep six hours. I can, you know, work till one or two in the morning, get up at seven, go work out. I know that I'm like putting my body under stress and the anxiety is going to come around the corner. So I really make it a priority to get those seven to eight hours of sleep every night so that I do feel good and I don't feel my body isn't stressed out and those chemicals aren't running through my veins just waiting for an anxiety attack to happen. And there are a couple of things that I do. Um, I try to stay off my phone after 10 p.m. I like to be in bed and like go to sleep by 1130. I stop working at 8 p.m., That's a new one for me because I used to kind of try to do some work after dinner and I still do. I maybe do about one or two hours after dinner, but 8 p.m. is my cutoff. It's like I've got to go like can't do this. And I really start to focus. I've started to focus the beginning of this year. There's a book called The Power of Habit by Charles. I'm going to butcher his name. Dung? Doug? Doug? I don't know how to pronounce the last name. I'll put the link in the description. But he talks about habits. And so before every habit, there's an activity that triggers the habit. There's an activity or emotion that triggers the habit. So for me, the habit was like, I want to go to bed at 1130. Well, what activities do I need to do to trigger that habit to go to bed by 1130? For me, when I get off my phone at 8 or 10, I'm sorry, when I get off of my phone at 10, what I start to do is I clean up the kitchen. I take the trash out. I walk my dog. I take a shower. And to me, that's signaling to my brain, oh, it's time for me to wind down. So by the time I get into bed at 1130 and I have my book and I'm reading, it's like, boom, lights out. We're done. Closing shop. So those are just some of the things that I've kind of learned to help with my anxiety is to also put myself on some type of routine that supports my sleep schedule. So moving in to the third one, the last one, is connection. And I also want to do research on this because I think this is a common thing that I've heard of, is for me, it's super easy to isolate myself. 
I'm an only child, so I've kind of always been by myself in a way, like super self-sufficient. I think from a really young age, my parent, my mom especially was like, if you want something, like go do it yourself. She wasn't going to be the mom that was like super catering, which I think really helped me um, because it made me super resourceful. So I don't really rely on people to do things for me because I know that I can do them myself type of thing. But it also, on the flip side, I feel like it makes, like, I do like to be alone a lot. And I think that there's a very fine line between being alone and isolating. So I've noticed that when I am more anxious it's because I have not been connecting with people. And I think just as human beings, from an evolution standpoint, we like to be around other humans. And I don't get this whole, like, self-deprecating humor of, like, Netflix and chill. Like, I hate the outside world. I just want to talk to my Postmates driver. I think that's really sad. Like, I actually, I don't think that that's humorous at all. I think it's really, really depressing. Um, And one of the things that I've learned to do is to just force myself out. Literally dragging my feet. Don't want to do this, but I force myself because I know that I always feel better. I know that when I am around really good people, it's super energizing for me. Like, even, it doesn't even have to be so much in like the physical sense but if I can pick up the phone and talk to a friend and be like hey how's your day going I don't even need I don't even want to talk about like whatever it is that I'm you know working on with work like tell me about your bitchy Barbara co-worker I want to know all about her crappy uh casserole that she made for your potluck I want to know those things because it kind of takes me out of my own head and makes me laugh so (laughs) I really focus on trying to connect with people in the quote outside world and not so be not be so much in my head all of the time if this is making any sense because I really do think for me I'm very extroverted, but I also am introverted. So I know that I recharge energetically around other people very, very well. But I also like to have time by myself and too much time by myself is isolating. So again, it's like this delicate dance. I don't like to use the word balance because I feel like balance has a polarity to it. But also I'll just I like to say the word dance because I feel like I don't know. (laughs) That's just how I am. But I really do feel like connection is super important. And to just talk things out because our brain will go through, go to tremendous lengths to rationalize and justify not going out, locking yourselves in the, in our bedroom, ordering takeaway and watching reruns of Frasier. If you love Frasier, let me know because no one seems to love Frasier as much as I do, but it's such a good show. Um, so yeah, I think connection and just in general is, is always so healing. So those are my three mindset tips, tricks, shifts, whatever you want to call it. Uh, another thing that I wanted to mention again, not a doctor, 
check with your doctor, make sure that these don't interfere with any medications or anything. I'm just trying to protect myself, okay? I don't want to get sued. That's like one of my biggest fears is being sued. I don't want to get sued, so please don't sue me. Talk to your doctor. But I have been taking, this sounds like a sponsored thing and I swear it's not, these magnesium supplements for probably the last two years. I randomly found it on uh, through a pin on Pinterest and I was like really anxious at that time and someone said like oh it's you know good for anxiety and I was like why the hell not let me just you know add to my Amazon cart that one click buy feature on Amazon really fucks me up it really like it makes it too easy I don't even have to like think about it which for someone who's a bit impulsive like me, like starting this podcast, I'm just going to do it. That's a dangerous feature. But anyway, that's another thing. So I ordered these magnesium pills and I started doing some research because I really felt a huge difference within the next like three days after taking them. And apparently a large percentage of Americans are magnesium deficient because we're supposed to get it from our food, which as we all know, um, probably isn't happening because of, you know, um, the farm bill, which is a whole other podcast that I could talk about. Uh, the farm bill and other things, Monsanto, like it's a whole thing. If you know anything about food in America, it's a problem. But yeah, so we are, nation is definitely magnesium deficient. And what happens is we can get anxiety, we can get migraines, headaches, sleep problems, leg cramps, those types of things. And we're supposed to be getting it from our food. So like bananas, I think dark chocolate, spinach, leafy, dark leafy greens are supposed to be our source of magnesium, but we're not getting enough of it. And so then we become deficient. I think it's like 30 to 40% of Americans are magnesium deficient. And it's a mineral that our body needs, especially our nervous system. And so when we are lacking that mineral, obviously things get all out of whack and then you get muscle, like I was just explaining symptoms. So I wrote an entire post about the vitamins and supplements that I take. And I really do believe that anxiety is not only about curing or getting to the root problem from an emotional standpoint, but also a physical standpoint, because anxiety symptoms become physical. Like it's, it, it is a physiological response or biological response. I always get the, I always get the theo, psycho, whatever, um, confused, but you do get physical symptoms. And with magnesium, it really, really helped alleviate a lot of those symptoms. I don't know how to really articulate it, but I would feel very, very tight in my body before I started taking them. And I even notice if I go like two or three days without taking them that I'll start to get some of the symptoms again. So I don't know if it's a placebo effect or what, but I think it works and I feel really great on them. I wrote a whole post about the other vitamins and supplements that I take. So if you just type in living, breathing vitamins and supplements, it should pop up. Uh, But I really, I used to take a ton of vitamins and supplements and now I've really cut back to just about three or four. So the ones that I take are magnesium. I take two tablets two times a day. Uh, vitamin or vitamin D3. I take 5,000 IUs just once a day. And then I take B12. And I sometimes will throw in 
a fish oil pill, but I also eat fish about two to three times a week. So I feel pretty sad on my fish oil. I don't want to overdo it. So those are the ones that I take. Again, you can find them in the actual brands that I take. Side note, okay, there's a specific type of magnesium. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad I mentioned, I just remembered this. So apparently I didn't know this because the second bottle that I ordered, I was just trying to be cheap. I don't even know why. Like I never really skip out on expenses for health related things, but I I think I was just like, oh, there's a less expensive version and brand. I'm just going to take that. No, 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 no. (laughs) I was shitting my pants for three days because I didn't know this. Some magnesium actually has a laxative effect. So this brand, this um, doctor's best magnesium that I recommend, I'm going to put the link in the description, was the one is the one that I take and doesn't make you, you know, spend three days on the toilet. (laughs) So definitely check those out. Again, these are just some of the things that I do to help with my anxiety. And I get asked this a lot. You know, how did you cure your anxiety? One, I still have it. Two, it's the little things that I do on a day to day basis that help with my anxiety symptoms. It's not one thing. It's not, you know, oh, I meditate and I do yoga and that now my anxiety is gone. It is a it is a culmination, is that a word, of things that I do every day, the vitamins, working out, my diet, meditation, therapy, sleeping, all of those things to combined help me. It's not just one of them. So I think that that's a really important, I've never heard anyone else talk about that. I feel like that's a really important thing to bring up. But I have been rambling for 40 minutes. I'm so sorry. I hope that this wasn't super boring. I hope that you guys enjoyed this. If you guys did, let me know. Um, You can send me an email to info at livingbreely.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram. I am on Twitter a little bit, so you can talk to me there too. Um, But let me know if you guys like this episode and if I should do more. Maybe I'll start doing two podcast episodes a week or maybe alternating between interviews and solo podcasts. I haven't figured it out yet. But let me know if you like it and I will definitely do more. All right. Have a great day, guys. Love you so much.